Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we're going to be in a brand new book of the Bible. We're starting the book of Malachi. Uh, we'll be in Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, if you want to mark your Bibles. I simply entitled this, The Lord is Magnified Beyond the Border of Israel. The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Uh, we are dealing with one of the minor prophets. It's actually the last book of the Old Testament, written some 40 years after Nehemiah uh, and Ezra. Uh, we see that they're struggling with a lot of the same things, and it's very important. There's a couple of things about Malachi that you need to know. One, we don't get very much about Malachi. You don't, and that's the beauty of Malachi, is you learn more about God in this book than you do about Malachi. Nothing wrong with knowing stuff about the, the prophets that were used, but it's awesome that, and it's an example for us, is like, do people know us more for God, or do they know us more because of who, who you are? Like, are we glorifying God in our daily life and they know more about, hey, that, that, that man, that woman, they follow Jesus. Because to me, that's how I, when I looked at this, I was like, man, you, you, as you study this, you're learning more about the word of the Lord than you are about Malachi. And I love that. Remember that. Don't, let, don't forget that. The other thing that's very important is Malachi is dealing with uh, a couple of things that he has to, as a prophet, he has to share. Uh, the Lord gives him simply... A few things that are happening. One is sloppy worship. And what is sloppy worship? Well, they were given, giving the Lord their sacrifices were full of defective animals. Sloppy worship. You know, our, our, when we do things unto the Lord with our time, our talent, our treasure, is it sloppy? See, they were having issues with the tithe. Now, you remember Nehemiah had issues with the tithe as well. They're also going to be having issues with marriage. They're going to be struggling with allowing foreign women uh, to the men to marry again, and, and they're bringing in their false gods and their false beliefs. And, and we see the problem with that. Uh, we also will, will see uh, the Levitical priests that are corrupt. And not only the Levitical priests that are corrupt, the church is inept and, and that says a lot about what's happening today as we see the church so divided over silly things silly things 
And we'll talk about that in today's study too. But then the, the last thing that's very relevant that we uh, see is we see a corrupt government and an inept government. And that's very relevant to the times that we're in today. The book of Malachi is a wonderful book, and I hope that you stick with us as we go through it. We're going to be going through it pretty fast. We'll, we're, we're only dealing with the first five verses this week, and then next week we'll, we'll have the whole, um, the whole chapter done in one shot. Uh, but I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that uh, this study uh, speaks to you. Um, and as it has me, uh, I love the fact that we are reminded that the nation of Israel belongs to God and that He loves them. He loves them and He will protect them. So I hope you enjoy the book of Malachi. This is Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Simply entitled, The Lord is Magnified Beyond the Border of Israel. Isn't that true? Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. And it's a failure to, to, for us to realize that it's, it's because of God's love and grace and what He's done for us. It's, it's, it's God's grace. It's God's grace. It's God's grace that Israel is a nation today. By God's grace, because His love for them. It's God's grace. Look at the, just when you get time today, look at all the nations that have come against Israel and all, all of them that failed and, and have never been the same. Egypt has never been the same. Never been the same. Do you think that's because of Israel? Israel is pretty much an agnostic. There, there's not that many people who believe in God in Israel. They're not even following. It's not based on them. And they say, was, was not Esau... Jacob's brother says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved. And so God answers with a rhetorical question. And he answers very distinct that he loved his love for Israel, for Jacob. And you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, wasn't Esau Jacob's brother, was his twin brother, was the older one? But you have to remember, he was willing to give up his, his right very quickly. And, 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 and so to understand, like, Jacob... Him choosing Jacob, he, he's, he's his elder brother. God chose Jacob. Well, why, why? Because he's God and you're not. But see how we question. Well, why did you allow this to happen? It's God. God has your whole story written out as done. Everything. To the time that he's going to call you home. God chose Jacob. Even though Esau was the elder. But Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Anytime you see the word but in the Bible, there's always signifying a contrast or something that's happening there, right? I love the best ones, the best buts in the Bible are but God. And I think Pastor Skip said that a long time ago, I want to write a book just that says but God, all the buts in the Bible. And, and, I, and I, I would love that because those are some of the greatest ones. But this one is a contrast of the two verses is why he's doing this. So he's, he's waking them up. He's like, Israel, you need to humble yourself. The people of Israel need to humble yourself. The way that you're questioning, the answering that you're giving me, look, the reason I'm answering, this, answering in this manner is that I'm trying to get you to stop assuming what I'm doing as God. I'm God. You're not. He's trying to remove their boastful responses. And their pride. 
Because see, at their point, they're thinking, well, because of Esau, we'll boast over Esau, thinking that their salvation is something that's owed to them. It's owed to me. You owe me, God. I've served. I've done this, this, and this. Don't you? You owe me. I'm due. That's the wrong attitude. See, they thought they were equal partners. They didn't understand it was all dependent on God, not them. They had become self-reliant, self-sufficient, and narcissistic. And don't we see that in our culture today? Everybody wants to be liked, so they all go on TikTok and Instagram, and everybody thinks they're an influencer. God is just trying to bring them back to a reality of, hey, you, you need to follow me with the right heart as a nation. The, the, the rituals of, of, that you're doing, the religious activity that you're doing is, is just wrong. It's with the wrong heart. Paul even talks about this in Romans chapter 9, verse 13 through 16. It says, As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will, and this is very important that you get this. I love that Paul did this. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy on. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion so then it is not of him who wills, nor him who runs, but God who shows mercy. It's God. What God wants for you is to obey him. That's how you love God, through obedience. It's through that obedience that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you're able to walk in faith with him. He empowers you. And through all of that is to glorify him, not you. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We have to be very careful with legalism. I must do this to prove my love to God. It's just legalism. You become reliant on yourself and your own strength. John 15 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Don't depend on your self-confidence or your self-reliance. Depend on the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. God is giving you the Holy Spirit for a reason. You can't walk through this walk without it. You need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, we see the Lord speaks and answers. Even though Edom has said, and, and this is God emphasizing the, the, the distinction between Jacob, whom he loved, and Esau, whom he hated. We have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So he goes in and he's going to answer their question. And, and, and deal, with, deal with why he's distinguishing the two. And as he does that, one of the things that you see is something called the Lord of hosts. And the, the word Lord is capitalized here. Again, meaning Yahweh, and it's in Scripture some 261 times in the Old Testament. First time it appears is in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. It's a reminder that it's Yahweh, the self-existent, redemptive Lord, that commands the armies in heaven. It's like, if, if God wants to deal with Hamas, it, he's, he don't even need a whole angel. He could use a half an angel to knock them out. It'd be done, right? 
we forget that. But in Psalm 80, verse 19, it says, Restore us, O Lord, Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and, shall, and, and we shall be saved. See, we have the hope and salvation uh, through death being defeated, and the resurrected one, Jesus, who commands the armies of heaven. Turn to me in Revelation chapter 19, and you'll see this in verses 11 through 20. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it, on him, was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had name written that no one except him uh, knew him except him himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes the sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself will tread treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, I've heard, I had somebody tell me, and I swore, you know, the thing that, that really bothers me is we can be so legalistic in church. Uh, somebody got so upset about Austin Carlisle's tattoos. And I'm like, do you understand that Jesus has a name written on his thigh? It's like, what is wrong with us? Right? We could be, I was like, come on. We could be so hard sometimes with people. It's like, but the other thing that you see here that's very important to understand is the word of God. And when I read this, it's understanding that Jesus Christ comes to destroy Buddhism, the Quran, the Muslim faith. He's going to come to destroy the, uh, all of the Mormon stuff. It's all of that stuff is going to be just destroyed, every bit of it, pushed through the wine press. And all the people, unfortunately, that followed it, that never would turn from it, the false religions of the world. They never choose to follow the, the, the Son of, of God, the Savior, the Messiah. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great, uh, great God, that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of the captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of the horses and those who sat on them, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, both small and great. I saw the beast, the king, uh, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him. Him who sat on the horse against his army. Then the beast was captured with him. Uh, the, uh, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So now when you read that, you understand the Lord of hosts, right, commands the, the heavens, the army, the Yahweh, the covenant, the everlasting, right? And understanding like it's, it's got nothing to do with Israel's, you know, whether they're faithful or not faithful. God's love is never changing, right? God's love is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so when we see that, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts that, that they may build, but I will throw down 
Uh, they shall be called the territory of the wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation as we look at the last little part here. We see that the Edomites, they would try to, uh, to come against them and it's important for us to understand as, they, as we look at that, it's, um, let me get back to my spot here, sorry. And so the Edomites were scattered uh, and allowed to recover as a nation, but they were scattered, but they never returned back as a nation. They were destroyed. Judah, on the other hand, has been scattered by the Babylonians, and yet they rebuilt their nation, right? Scattered by the Romans, and yet now we have Israel in 1948. I think the, uh, was it, I'm trying to remember, it was the day after they were declared a nation. They had, I, don't, I forget how many nations come against them and said, we're going to war against Israel. And every one of them nations failed. We forget. We forget. It, it is to, to understand, like, as, as we see that, that, that God indeed loved Israel, that he is going to scatter and deal with their wickedness. And, and understanding that your wickedness or anything that you're involved in that is in darkness, it's going to be exposed. It's going to be dealt with. He will bring that stuff to light, whether it's in the church or whether it's in your home, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in the community. We think we're getting away with stuff. You'll either face judgment here on earth or there'll be judgment if you don't turn and follow Jesus. There'll be judgment that you'll face. And so when we see things that are going on that are wickedness in our government, understand God knows all of it, all of it. And, and can I just make sure you get this? There is not a poli uh, political party that can save you. Please get that. For some reason, we think as a nation that it's, if we just had this party, do you understand there's corrupt Republicans just as much as there are corrupt Democrats? And right now, I don't know too many. I could probably count on one hand. The number of, of politicians that actually care about Americans and doing what's right for Americans. The wickedness that we're seeing. The things that are being adapted and, and allowed in our culture. And the church is going along with it just as much. The church is, the church is involved in it too. When they allow drag queens to come into the church. What is wrong with us? What, what, where are we gone? Like, do you see how important this book is? Because what's happened is he's trying to get you to understand is like, I love you. My relationship is with you, my children. Walk with me. Obey me. Follow me. Don't go into the wickedness. Don't start chasing the things you used to chase. Don't start allowing your, your, your Sunday walk to become just an activity. Have the right heart when you serve. And we finally see that he opens their eyes here in verse 5. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. That is so true today. Everything that we see going on in the world right now, Israel and Jerusalem is at the center of it. And it will always be that way. It will always be that way. Because why? They're the nation of Israel. belongs to God. The people of God. There is going to be a great number of Jews that come to faith. That believe in Jesus Christ. God's not done with Israel. Right now is the age of the Gentiles. That means all of us. 
I don't think we have any, any Jews in here. All of us that are needed Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verses 23 through 24, it says, Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. You know, I love that because when I read that, I think to myself, we have seen things, and if you walk in, in your relationship with God, you have seen things that you just go, man, that was God. That was God that, did, man, I don't know how that, that was God. But are your eyes open to that? Is your heart open to that? Because sometimes what we do as, as followers of Christ is we can be so critical. The church is very critical of itself. We can be. That's why when, when we talk about the South Texas Financial Fellowship, I love that, that we, all of us come together. What is the main thing that we are in agreement of? Jesus Christ. The only way is Jesus Christ. And we do ministry together for those particular things. Now, we have theological arguments, right? But we leave those at the church. Because I, I know there's one church that doesn't believe in pre-trib. We are pre-trib, Right? But we don't argue that stuff when we get together to, to, to share the gospel with people. That's not what we're there for. We have to be able to want, I'm like, are, do you desire to see the things that God wants you to see? To see God moving in your family, in your community, at your job. Like, Lord, let me see what you see. I mean, it, it, it's amazing when we look at this book is, is that, you know, as the Old Testament prophets, you have the whole book. You know how everything begins, how everything ends. And, and I hate to say one of the things that I, that I know that, that has happened is, you know, when I think about this verse here, when he talks about the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Can I tell you that, that for many churches, the Lord is not magnified beyond the building that they, they, they sit in. And, and as, as pastors, as, as church leaders, we have failed y'all in many ways because we put more emphasis on the building. Think about it. Think about all, just go up to Dallas or Houston. Look at all, you, there are pastors that have to take a helicopter, go from one side of Houston to the other to make service. Do you not think there's a pastor on the other side of Houston that could lead the church? But everybody's there to listen to that pastor. The celebrity pastor. And they get focused on all these big buildings. And the people aren't growing. You have people that just sit in the building attending church. They're just in a building attending. They're just in a building. Because there's no change in their heart or their life. And that's what God is trying to get. He's trying to get, hey, look, I love you. And because I love you, obey me. Follow me. Walk with me. What is our job as Christians? To glorify God. To glorify God. Why don't we start doing that? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which they're not yours, which are God's. Belongs to God. Isaiah 60 verse 21, Also the people shall be all be righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. That I may be glorified. 
See, what was happening during this time of Malachi is the priests were glorifying themselves. And the people were like, hey, we're doing everything we're supposed to do. We're good to go. Like, part of the salvation that we have is because of us. No. They were very hypocritical. Very prideful. And God is going to deal with them. God is going to first rebuke the Levitical priest. And then he's going to rebuke the people. So, get ready. Exhortation should, for a follower of Christ, encourage you. Because if something hits you right here, and you go, ooh, that hurt. It gets up, I heard, I heard Pastor uh, J. Vernon McGee talk about that this morning. He goes, I know what I'm saying is probably rubbing you a little bit right now in the wrong way. And it hurts a little bit, but it's there for a reason. That's the thing about exhortation for a follower of Christ, even when you are being rebuked or you're being corrected, it's still a sweet smelling aroma because God loves you enough to correct you. When you oppose it, there's something dying in your life. Maybe you've allowed an old behavior, an old addiction back into your life and it's, that smell is it's like, man, I don't want to hear the word of God right now. I, I, I just don't, I can't. And it's like God loves you enough to give it to you. You're his child. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 